0: Welcome back, folks, to another episode of the Panoramic Outdoors podcast. We're rolling into episode 63 here today, and uh, today we got myself, Sheldon, and Tristan hanging out. Shelly's over in Brandon, as per usual these days, um, but we got them on the video rolling here. Look pretty good, buddy. You're looking rested up.
1: How you feeling? I'm um, super rested, man. Yeah? I It's been it was a good weekend of hunting, and it's actually been the last couple weekends been great hunting. And get get to do a quite a bit of relaxing, um, to be honest, because of uh, archery season and stuff. You're kind of just sitting in the stand waiting on deer to come through. But um, yeah, I am totally relaxed. I've been having having some pretty good hunts. You came out for for a hunt there for the weekend, and been hunting a lot with my dad. And um, yeah, got the muzzleloader sighted in yesterday, and which would have been Sunday. So ready to go.
0: Nice man, I I am super jealous of the hunting territory that you guys have out there and like just the piece of the property that you guys are have access to. They're just the ones that I see And are just like when I'm thinking about prime whitetail habitat and you get those nice rolling hills in there, man, that is like not only great habitat, but it's just picturesque and just everything a guy kind of wants in a whitetail woods. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I'd love to take most to all credit it but I can't like uh lots of people probably know that listen to the podcast and a lot with my dad so he's kind of set me up and shown me the the ropes from a from a long time ago until now and even to today like uh, when we go hunting together we we will go to these same spots over and over again but every time we go before we go out our game plans seem to change when we start educating ourselves. And, and I educate him, and he educates me now, and we come up with different plans on where to sit. And, yeah, just like you said, it's it actually is really nice deer country. Um, but, yeah, the credit all goes to my old man. He's the one that's been uh, looking for those sweet spots for years and, and gets the permission and, and talks to the landowners and does all his due diligence to make sure we can, we can get in there every year. That's
0: awesome, man. So what's your game plan now? Are you uh putting the bow down for a bit and gonna be dusting off the old smoke pole in the tree stand or have you not made that decision yet and just have kind of both on standby
1: no my i'm gonna be archery hunting now still for a while it's got to get super cold for me to pick get the get the muzzleloader out just for the fact that as long as i can stay comfortable in the tree stand and stay quiet and not be moving around that much um yeah i'll archery hunt for as long as i can but the thing is is that when it does get colder out my hands tend to get colder i gotta wear bigger gloves and when that happens it's just very inconvenient to try to layer up archery hunting because you're trying to pull back a bow but yeah i'll 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 keep going for for a while yet but i'm kind of crossing my fingers that we'll get that uh i don't know what they call it but like kind of like a late summer couple weeks of nice weather yet um in the fall here but we'll see
0: nice tristan what have you been up to man
2: Oh, aside from that uh, upland pursuit kind of that went on with Crawford there, then went on just like a, a slugfest of a, of a waterfowl hunt with the guy and Tyler later that night, uh, land up getting limits there, so that, that was lucky, happy return turned out that way. Uh Did a little archery hunting slash like uh, little deer hunting in near Lundar there, Kevin Erickson's Back backyard. Oh, yeah. Didn't see him though. <laughs> didn't see him. Uh, not too much action there, but super nice country up that way. So was kind of uh, feeling fortunate to check out a new area. And yeah, we'll see what the weekend brings. Nice, nice. Any plans to uh, hit the hit the woods this weekend? Maybe the marsh. That I, I saw it look looking like the greenheads are in, and uh, it makes for a very tempting time of year to, to pass Ooh. up. She's getting
0: pretty chilly tonight, man. It's, you know, there's not going to be many days left out there for the birds to be hanging around, I think, unless I'm, if they stick to the big water, they'll be all right, but it'll it'll be interesting to see what happens this next week here with the cooler temperatures.
2: Might have to switch tactics.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, and you, Chase?
1: What have you you been doing, Chase? Uh,
0: a little bit of everything, really. Uh, I came out to hunt with you there for the weekend, which was awesome. I really enjoyed that, man. Um still thinking about that trip and uh thinking about when i can get back out there next and also scheming some some other areas but i feel like i'm a little bit late to the game to kind of break into a new public ground spot um that's close enough to my house that i can just go for like a half day sit. but um also done a little bit of deer hunting a little bit of bird hunting I went with her buddy tyler there and uh man i'm sure i'm kind of appreciative of like the friends that we have that that uh get out and and do all this stuff too because the the opportunities that presents to us is just it's pretty sweet like tyler's out there oh man he's gotta be three four times a week sometimes he's, he's like
2: his own personal guiding service
0: yeah yeah and you just i just kind of text him I'm like hey man you going hunting this weekend yep uh can i hop in one day yep <laughs> yeah <laughs> well we went and it was the same kind of slugfest just mud flats and and pretty much the worst mud you could walk through for the first about 50 yards and uh but after that it wasn't too bad and and uh we scratched out a couple limits which was pretty sweet haven't done a whole lot of waterfowl hunting this year um but yeah that's that's pretty much been about it want to get some scouting in this week hopefully i seen one of our target bucks the other night walking out of my tree stand and uh Man, it was super windy and I was going to put the sneak on him and I had just this perfect round bale to sneak behind, but he busted me before I hit that spot. So hopefully he's still sticking around. I have a pretty good idea where he's hiding out now, but uh, um, I'd like to get out and just glass that field a couple nights and see what's what. But, uh, oh, you guys want to hear a funny story about the ducks? Sure. (laughs) (laughs) I know you're dying to hear it. So uh, Anyway, l- that's listening, I got these ducks down now. They're laying eggs these things, right? I'm pretty sure two of them are anyways because we got two older ones and so the last couple of days for the last three days They normally lay their eggs in their duck house But they're not like chickens that they have like a coop or like Boxes they land they just lay them wherever kind of thing. So the last three days. I haven't been finding any eggs in the duck house so now <clears throat> It got really cold and i'm like oh man we're gonna have to start feeding these things some more something's going on here so today i went and picked up a couple uh bins of grain off um one of my buddies that's a farmer and uh i get back and my mom was watching the boys and she's like hey come check this out there's all these eggs sitting out here i was like eggs what are you talking about i was like those damn ducks are sneaking eggs around outside in the yard already and uh we just poke our head out the front door and they're laying all eggs right by the front door right by the stoop so there's four eggs hanging out there so it's kind of a nice find ducks are still doing good and i've just been feeding the hell out of them for the last two days so i thought what that is, was pretty funny
1: what is going to be your timeline like if when they lay egg, when it gets cold here like you're gonna to have to find them probably within an hour or so like they'll probably freeze when they're not like they don't sit on them do they
0: um i don't think they do i've haven't really seen one sitting on them there there's been some warm ones that i picked out from the duck house but um i'm gonna try and set up like a little staging area in there with hay that will help hopefully be a little bit warmer for them to to lay in if they want to lay in there but um yeah we'll just i mean if they freeze it's not a bad thing either like people freeze eggs all the time as long as they don't crack right (laughs)
1: And for all you, for all you folks listening, that's gonna be Egg Talk 2020 to a wrap. And <laughs> on this podcast episode coming up here shortly, we have Hack. Just to let everyone know if you haven't heard that uh, ref, heard us reference Hack. We've had him on previously to talk about archery hunting, and we're talking about his bow elk harvest of 2020. So stay tuned for that. But Chase, when you came out hunting with us um, in Nipaw, um, we did a little deer hunting and some waterfall hunting. Although you didn't get a deer, and our waterfall hunt was a little bit, it wasn't perfect. Let's say we still got some birds, but didn't get as many as we'd like. Um, was that a successful trip?
0: I chalk it up as a su- successful trip, man. Um, I seen a bunch of deer and seen one nice buck. Didn't have the opportunity at the buck boat, and we still shot some birds. And like just the chance to come out and see some new country and see kind of how you guys operate and and uh, all that stuff was. A win in my books, man. It's a productive weekend.
1: Yeah, for sure. no one thing that I'm going to mention too, uh, we run those iHunter app. If you guys haven't seen that or listen that episode, check that one out. But just to give them a quick little plug, because I really like it. But when you have new people come into your places where you're hunting, that iHunter app works very well. Um, just showing even like location of tree stand or trails or whatever. So if you guys are looking to get something to maybe enhance your your hunting um, equipment check out that eye hunter app
2: that's a good point Sheldon because I I used it too with Brian out near Lundar there and it, it was a great tool to help Brian had scouted a few pots spots on the property but I took the liberty just like run around the property like a like a coyote almost in some ways but uh, you know I, I found a couple good trails that I was like hey man next year like this is there's some brush cover here that would make for and some really great trails that would make for like a secure, like buck, um, kind of transition area, right? They're going to want to stay in that cover, but clearly they're using these trails here. You might consider hanging a stand at these points. And I just forwarded them those points through iHunter. He downloaded the app that day and was able to have those waypoints on his iPhone immediately. And, yeah. it, and, I, and I got directions on how to get there through there too, right? That's sweet. So like, it's kind of a... It doesn't have every everything imaginable, but it's got a lot of features that are helpful. That's cool, man.
1: Yeah, I've been I've been cruising through that app and and been figuring it out more and more. And yeah, I like a lot of the features, like even the ones where you can are like different spots. Like for us, we hunt in kind of two different spots that are probably twenty miles apart. So I can kind of check weather if it's any different from one spot to another just by clicking on my like waypoint, which I think is pretty neat. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. And
0: there's a lot of good information right on the app, too. Like, they have the, the hunting guide link there. Um, they have, like, the turning poachers line. It's, like, call tips kind of thing. So if there's some shady stuff going down, all you got to do is click that button and rock and roll. But um, while we're on the uh, on the subject of uh, kind of sharing hunting spots and, and uh, getting new people outdoors, if you guys haven't heard already, um, this week coming up, on October 22nd, we're doing a, a series kind of partnered up with the Manitoba Wildlife Federation uh, intro to big game hunting and If you're somebody that hasn't done a whole lot of big game hunting interested in it Or if you know somebody that is interested in it our part two is coming out That's on October 22nd again, and that's gonna be covering like uh, Some simple tips and tricks what we do in the field. We're gonna be doing some eye hunter stuff and uh so scouting in the field and uh, part three will be coming out the week after that so yeah.
1: yeah and the one thing i'm gonna add to that too chase is like even if you're not from manitoba or you know of anyone coming up here in the future after maybe say covid fucks off and you're and you know of people coming up here to hunt send them that link like it's it's really good information especially for like manitoba hunting um but yeah, if you're from here, even if you're not from here, there's a lot of good information you can get from that.
0: Yeah, it's pretty universal information. You know, it's it's lots of the stuff is just very basic, very, you know, get you out there and get you started kind of thing. And, and even a lot of stuff that even if we were to go in deeper with it, it'd be pretty tough to be confident with what we're kind of communicating without actually getting out into the field with somebody too. So, um, Yeah, I think that information is is good right across the board for bay game hunting.
2: Good session, I think, to get your whistle wet if you wanted to like dip, start getting curious about what it would take to get into the field, what that looks like, Um, trying to make it accessible, Um, also trying to make sure that there's space for learning and growth. So hopefully folks take an interest in it and are able to get something out of it. And then, uh, yeah, we always love hearing feedback too, right? So.
0: Yeah. And if tr- you're, in, sorry, if you're interested in that, go to, uh, the Mantle Wildlife Federation, either website or check out their social media pages. Links are in there. Click on the uh, links either in the bio or links to the post and, uh, sign up for that. It's a virtual seminar. So it runs through zoom.
1: So if you're not like tuning into the live version, is there a way you can l- listen or look into it,
0: uh, after the fact? We're still kind of figuring that out. I think I think I kind of messed up the first one. I don't know. I, I'm not too sure what happened there, but um, I got to figure out how to save the video properly, and uh, I think we're going to try and get them up on YouTube if we can, but we'll see what we can do. No promises so, there.
1: I've got a cool story for you. It's not about eggs or about ducks, but I was working the other day, and I had to stop and grab some lunch, so I stopped at this convenience store, uh, because it was convenient. Weird, right? So I went in there, and I seen this package, and it was black and purple for for beef turkey. And I looked at it, and it was called Cowboy's Caviar. And this flavor was called Candy, which I would describe as kind of sweet, but with a little, like, say, pepper, pepperish taste to it. Anyways, I bought it. It's kind of like a, a soft-chewed turkey. Uh, turkey soft-chewed jerky. And I really loved it. So I actually went on Instagram, and I looked them up. And found their instagram page and sent them a message just saying how much i i really like the the product and then did some research and found out they're from saskatchewan so we are actually teaming up with cowboys caviar for the month of november and if you guys are interested at all in trying a new jerky that's actually locally sourced so all their cows come from saskatchewan all their like beef comes from saskatchewan um it's made in saskatchewan and they're they're all over Saskatchewan, Alberta, and Manitoba right now, and they're expanding throughout Canada in the next, uh, you know, small allotment of time. They're expanding every day. They've got five flavors: they got original, teriyaki, hot and sweet, peppered, and then of course that candy one that I referred to earlier. Man, it's really good, really good jerky, and uh, we really appreciate them coming on board and uh, working with us for this month of November coming up. And the other thing that they they do, which I find really interesting, is they have a um, a program for fundraising so what happens is you can you can sign up with them and, and come on to their program to do like fundraising with beef jerky and what, what they do is they give you more or less a wholesale price so then your kids the hockey team or your church or whatever foundation you're trying to raise money for can then sell it um a little bit higher price and you and you get to keep the profits on that beef jerky so if you're looking to do maybe some fundraising with them go to www cowboyscaviar.com. It's located in Saskatchewan. Support local. There we go.
0: You know what is one of my favorite snacks for when I'm trekking out in a boat through the woods? Beef jerky, right? Or bananas?
1: Nah. <laughs>
0: it's too, It's. I think I had this discussion already on the podcast. When it comes to like when you're getting into like muzzleloader rifle season, man, you can't be carrying fruit around the bush.
2: It just like freezes instantly. You're just carrying around dead weight.
1: That's true. What do you like carrying around, Tristan?
2: Well, besides those Gore peanuts, yeah, I know. I honestly I think jerky is a great one because, like, you it's a light, but it's also like packed with protein and you, you get some salt too, right? So, like, um, it's, it's kind of one of the weird survival things is your body will run out of salt before it runs out of water, they say. So, um, make sure you carry water, make sure you carry some jerky,
1: yeah. And the crazy thing is, like, I spent a lot of time on the road and my, um, as you can tell, my diet isn't perfect, but I, for some reason, I have in my mind that jerky's good for you. So, like, when I go to, if I need a snack, I always pick up jerky. I think it's better for me than eating chips or a chocolate bar. But so, my snack is by choice is usually some sort of jerky.
0: That's true, man. When I when I used to work on the road too, it is like when you're gearing up for the road trip, first gas station you stop at. All right, let's get some snacks rolling here, and it's always like a couple packs of jerky and a Gatorade and a water kind of thing. Yeah, man. It's the best. Do we want, we want to hit the, uh, the tap, the turntable, and grill? What are you
2: thinking? I, I, it's my favorite part of our podcast. I don't know why we wouldn't do it. I'll let you take it from the top, man. Sure. Uh, let's start with the uh, tap. What have what you all been uh, sipping on these days, Shelley?
1: Actually, the weekend Chase came out, I decided to buy a 12-pack of OV, and wow was that ever good we Old smashed Vienna. a few of those and it was good man like i've always been an ov fan but i just don't really buy it that often i guess you don't find it available at too many vendors maybe in western manitoba you can find the odd 12 pack and bottles but so i picked up a 12 pack of bottles we smashed those and those were amazing and i'm gonna go with that what's on tap in my end
2: classic drink your dad's beer kind of scenario there oh man i'm gonna carry this
0: through and uh and compliment the drink your dad's beer uh kind of theme we got going on right now because also when we were out hunting at your place there your dad also had some frosty clubs in the fridge club beer and uh that's pretty much the first thing he pulled out of the fridge and gave to me so and uh those taste pretty good actually so i'm going with uh club beer manitoba made
2: i'm pretty sure eh I think so, yeah. Yeah, not bad, not bad. Well, I'll, I'll veer away from you two, and uh, I actually got a pretty nice bottle of Booker's bourbon from uh, MC in a wedding, Courtney and Randy, good friends of ours there, and they uh, they were nice enough to give me a uh, nice single barrel bottle. And she bites a little. That stuff will knock your socks off, yeah. man. But if uh, after the first couple sips, like you settle right into it and it's like uh sitting by a warm fire let me tell you that much (laughs) i bet can't can't complain can't complain i love it how about on the turntable chase what are you listening to oh man so also my uh latest turntable
0: journey started out in uh out when when i was hunting with you there sheldon and it's just kind of been building from there like it's just been a reoccurring kind of topic throughout my life since then and it's uh listened to a lot of Fleetwood Mac and, oh yeah and um Stevie Nicks oh man it's been great to just Lindsey Buckingham <laughs> takes some of those tunes just take me to like a great spot you know what I mean so I've been listening oh, yeah. to the Fleetwood Mac quite they a bit. take
2: a lot of people to great spots yeah Shelly how about you
1: um okay so to add on to this Fleetwood Mac thing and I don't know if i think i don't know if you guys are on tiktok but i'm on tiktok and there's a guy his name's dogface i don't even know what it is, 420 let's say i think it is dogface 420 but he did like this video of him the skateboarder yeah yeah so uh, anybody that's listening probably probably seen it or heard about him but he does this like skateboarding video he's just having fun smiling has a swish of uh, cranberry cocktail ocean what is it called ocean spray yeah has a swig of that and lip syncs this piece of dreams i think it's called dreams by fleetwood mac yeah. and it went viral and then now that song is like number one and that's where i kind of then i kind of got back into the fleetwood mac thing and download a bunch of their music again and that's how full circle right back to chase but that's the same with me but i would put that on my turntable but i think i'm just gonna go with luminaires i got back into one of their albums that i downloaded years ago a few years ago anyways and started listening to that on the day on the way home the other day and uh yeah, i go mean, with luminaires man you can never go wrong with them
0: it's good classic, not classic music, but like one of those those bands that, you know, is going to be just around forever and just having, putting out good music, but also, you know, you can go back and toss on one of their old records and just still enjoy it just as much.
1: Yeah. And I, I, the thing I like about them, it's kind of like a classic sound. Like it's, it's kind of like their own, I don't know, their own sound or whatever. They're not really following too many footsteps.
2: Yeah. they're They're unique for sure. Tristan? Speaking about classics, when I was out again with Brian there and he was the, the, the gentleman that got me into the band known as The Band and I know I made reference to them before on this podcast but Brian had not really experienced like a camp before per se so he was hunting in this Lundar location out of a cabin and kind of calling it at a night at 8.30, 9 o'clock and Didn't even have the power running half the time and kind of eating um, tomato sandwiches kind of style. Nothing wrong with a good old tomato sandwich, let's just be clear. But like living very lean. So we threw on the band there and tilted a few back and uh, had the wood stove bucking all night to uh, really enhance the camp experience, we'll say. Nice. Turned out real good. So yeah, that was fun. And on the grill now, switching to what we've been cooking, Shelly
1: uh yeah what's on the grill i'm just trying to think back on some of the meals i've been having uh hunting i don't what i don't even know where to go with this to be honest with you my dad actually made a really this is not me but my dad made a really good deer stew from last year's deer um we had that when chase was out one night and to come out of the stand kind of freezing cold and, and get home and be able to have a nice hot stew with fresh buns that uh my dad's partner made uh kind of just hit the spot and made me ready for bed basically right after that oh that's what i'm gonna go with
0: i carried that forward when we uh when we hit the the mud flats there with the boys duck hunting i made uh so from that weekend i had those those gizzards and hearts left over and i i fried the livers the day before i think and uh, ate them with some onions and then i had some gizzards and hearts left and i i uh made them into a stew and it's kind of like that time of the year where you're just pulling everything out of the garden and you got a lot of veggies and shit laying around and you're like all right i gotta do something with some of this stuff and so i just kind of did like the everything coming out of the garden stew style with uh these gizzards and hearts and uh i kicked her up a notch with this these uh dried jalapenos that i got and let me tell you that that stew mixed up with the uh, Tyler's wood stove there that he's got bucking at about <laughs> thirty five degrees, coming off off the marsh and it it was cold man like Tim's jacket was frozen solid with water, and uh, it sure warms you up quick. It's nice to come back to.
2: Nice. I I did a similar thing with uh, I made a turkey pie for deer camp, but I don't want to don't want to talk about that. What I want to talk about is the, the ham I made for Thanksgiving on the pit barrel turned out really great. Mm. Had that thing got out like a, like a ham cut from no frills and had it brining for about 10 days and then finished it on the pit barrel for about eight hours. I posted it on the Instagram story. So some of you might've seen it, but, uh, that thing came out with just an awesome, awesome flavor that I had not anticipated the pit barrel just managed to, again, impart so much smokiness all the way through the meat. It was amazing.
0: Yeah, that was beautiful, man. That, that thing just never disappoints. I did up that other, uh, another pork uh, hog roast front shoulder on there the other day too, and just eight hours on it, and just came out beautiful. So if uh, anyone here is interested in picking up a pit barrel, we everyone knows faithful listeners know that pit barrel is a big supporter of this podcast and um, i mean we truly would not be talking about that product like we do if we didn't truly appreciate it and believe in it and it is some of the best food products that we've ever um processed pretty much that we've ever cooked so if you're interested in a, a pit barrel cooker down in the states pitbarrelcooker.com check them out i think they have uh free shipping down there is that right sheldon uh,
1: it might be free shipping but it's next day shipping next as well, day so. shipping
0: okay and if you're up in Canada here guys there's lots of locations across Canada that suppliers up here that have them I know Winnipeg's Lux, uh, Lux Barbecue has them but go on their website and just click on the area that you're in and it should show some some locations that the that carry the uh, pit barrel cookers and I guarantee you're not going to be disappointed with this thing man super great
1: well, that was fun to kind of catch up about all the the
2: the great activities we've been partaking in lately,
1: and then yeah, I haven't seems like I haven't talked to you guys in in quite a while, and this uh, whole doing this remote podcast stuff is kind of getting boring. I like to get into a room with you guys and uh, have a few beers, but until then, we'll carry on.
0: Yeah, it's been busy, man. It's it's tough too when when you're talking about like hunting season and stuff because. You have a lot of your own stuff going on over there and, and, uh, like we got the kids here and Tristan's got newborn to deal with and it's just a lot of
2: dynamics Mm kind of going down at once. And like, like Finn can't even draw 30 pounds yet. So I don't know how he's going to sit in a tree stand with me (laughs) like this year, but he's going to figure it out. Got him a deer tag though. (laughs) Yeah. Got him a a deer tag on the new e-licensing system. Yeah. (laughs)
0: past is hunter safety with flying colors
2: <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right little buddy just hit that key there <laughs> yeah
0: yeah um one other thing i want to touch on before we roll into this podcast guys we got a brand new selection of our signature sweaters in, so check those out they are hot off the press fresh and if you're looking for a size that we haven't had make sure you scoop it up quick because they'll be flying off here pretty quick so Anything else you guys want to touch on before we roll into her?
1: No, I just, um, yeah, let's get into it. It's an awesome episode because we're actually in elk camp and sitting around the uh, fire kind of thing in a nice cabin in the middle of the woods. So it's kind of neat. I like it.
0: All righty. Let's roll it. Well, we're sitting in elk camp right now, and uh, we're just kind of wrapping up um, almost a bit of an impromptu elk camp hunt here. It was like elk a scouting
1: hunt. trip, kind of in a way, checking some cameras. wow well, we're still some hunting area. We but, hunted, yeah.
0: But. but uh this certainly wasn't the uh intended week for elk camp and uh just the way the the cards played here, we were able to get out the weekend prior to And uh September long weekend right now. Yep. And we've been out here since Friday, is Sunday now, and we're just kind of wrapping things up for the weekend.
1: Yep. So we thought to do a podcast, maybe tell our listeners on what's going on, and we've got a great guest today. He's been on the show before. Welcome to the show, Hack Brad Hackwich. Ooh, thanks, fellas. <laughs> so just like any other podcast, I guess we'll I think we'll jump right into the five burning questions. Um, but we're gonna relate that to the what's on the grill, what's on the turntable, what's the other one, <laughs> what's, what's on a, tap? Tap, yeah. So let's start off with that. What's on What's on your grill right now there? Hack, what have you been cooking up?
3: Oh, well, I got the luxury of having you guys chefing all weekend for me. My first ever experience with uh, pit barrel turned out pretty awesome. I brought a little bit of elk meat and we threw that on Chase's pork shoulder, both of which turned out unreal.
1: Yeah, it was good.
3: And uh, the only other I don't know how you say this like experimental thing was was the other day I was sitting sitting hunting in April Willis put up that what's your favorite snack did you guys see that post yeah yeah. so yeah. i was sitting in the alfalfa field and as a joke i said second cut alfalfa flowers and then about 15 minutes later into boredom what is what does the second cut alfalfa flower taste like the answer isn't very good <laughs> but uh the flowers act or the leaves sorry the leaves tasted like pea shells which weren't too terrible oh, i could get by on that if
0: you
1: wanted to eh yeah you could do that yeah too What's uh What's on your turntable? What have you been listening to lately, there, Hack?
3: Uh, my new favorite song right now is is uh the band version of Atlantic City, a Bruce Springsteen song. Right. Usually, I really can't stand remakes for the most part, but this is above par. That's that's one of my uh like top ten songs. I feel like I've been
0: listening oh, really? to that one for a while. Yeah, love that song. Yeah, it's,
3: can't go wrong. Yeah. And then the other ones I had fired up were. I seen a post the other day, it was the anniversary of Elvis's death, so a couple, not Elvis songs, but songs about Elvis, where He Was the King by Neil Young, oh, yeah. If you guys listen to that one, is a beauty, and then The King Is Gone by George Jones is also money.
1: Nice. And what do you got brewing on tap? What have you been dabbling into on the old drink market?
3: I got to steal your answer from the last podcast with the Caesars, I've been kind of off the liquor sauce for a while, but when it comes back to pickling season. It, oh, Steve's uh, here. <laughs> oh. Locals here. When it comes back. to pickling season, you just get fired up for a homemade Caesar. and yeah. w- Rare lone fact is pickle juice is the number one Polish aphrodisiac, I believe. <laughs> Even the name, right? Think about it. Put a little pickle juice in the mix. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, I don't know. Seventy percent of Polish Ukrainian babies are born in the months of May and June, nine, <laughs> nine months after pickling season. <laughs> sitting there in bed, laying with laying in bed, and all of a sudden on the kitchen you hear the snap of the sealer clicking. Yeah. Hey, and it's just the automatic you wanna it's on nestle with the old lady
1: up. <laughs> That's awesome. Question number four is you have one rifle to use for the rest of your hunting. What is what is the all around best rifle in your opinion? I think
3: it's got to be 270 for dependability wise, but nowadays I'd have to say 300 Win Mag just so that I could get the job done on everything. Yeah, not that a 270 wouldn't do it, but if you're going from from zero right through to gazelle and elephant, you need <laughs> not quite elephant. It's probably
1: like one of the biggest debatable subjects when it, with hunting is what's the best rifle or cartridge to use. Um, and your last question is, what's your favorite type of ice cream? Ooh,
3: gonna go mint Oreo. Mint Oreo,
1: that's yeah. disgusting,
3: man. No, no, I that's, love it. <laughs> I mint <laughs> Oreo Blazer.
0: I'm down Blizzard's with are... yeah, I'm down with Mint Oreo. They had it off the menu there for a while, and I, I was a little concerned, but they brought her back, eh? Yep. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Just like they tried to get away with going away from club beer, and there was an outcry enough to
1: bring it back. <laughs> So the, the cool thing about this little trip that we had, it was kind of last minute, long weekend trip, um, asked Hack to come along for two reasons is number one, you were drawn for elk um, in a different area and actually filled it on opening day. So you kind of had this weekend open, which you were supposed to be elk hunting, but you filled it right away. Um, so it worked out great. And then you're here helping out at camp, helping us out a bit. And now we got time to do a podcast. So what's better than maybe getting this elk story kind of told maybe if you wouldn't mind
3: Oh, well, we could dive into that it's uh fairly fortunate first of story. all before <laughs> you
1: before you start have you ever shot out elk with your bow before
3: i haven't shot an elk period before oh, okay first, wow. even yeah. yeah yeah first elk ever I, i'd i gone me and dad went with archery when i was 16 ish and uh, had a couple beagle, but we were kind of lost soldiers out there didn't really know what we were doing and a couple years back i went to the duck mountains with uh Drawed with the brother-in-law and, and two other friends who so were drawn together, and went there. But it was just slim pickings. They, we ran into a couple guys who have had a elk camp on the north side for years, and they they said the wolves are just so terrible that they don't even they weren't calling at all. No kidding, huh? That's tough times. So in mine it was kind of a whirlwind trip. I was I had for three years and uh, my sister's place or my brother-in-law's place for three years i was on to a really good bull and uh, had him on camera had my set and uh spotlight got him instead about three weeks ago so no way i was completely scrambled and retooled put dad in the truck and we covered a pile of area and uh settled on actually had a had a really good friend owns a bunch of land in, in decent country and he kind of pointed me in the right direction and went from there.
1: So when you were looking and you said you're scrambling for, um, to find some more elk, you're looking agricultural land, uh, mostly like what, what are some of the things that you're looking for?
3: I was looking for the combination of, of t- great timber for cover and, and decent feed and having that feed be in a, a little bit of a secluded spot. That f- my first place was alfalfa that was right along the bush line, and that goes right into the Furdale Hills. so it's, it's a crown and it's private, but it's pasture for miles, and I was just on the edge of it. But it also had a standing corn, which kind of blocked them in there and made them feel comfortable, and this one was just a, uh, a it was already combined rye field, but it was tucked back where the maintained roads didn't really right. go by. That's the thing about elk, eh? if,
0: if they have a good food source in their cover and uh,
3: low pressure, they feel comfortable there, they'll stick around there for a long time. Exactly it. And I, so, I, I finally latched onto these guys two and a half days before before season started. So, I finally caught them at dark and then I was on them in the morning, evening, morning, evening, the before opener. <laughs> so, uh
0: opening day comes along and like what was your your game plan going into this because i mean lots of guys go in and calling or they'll go and sit or it depends on on the situation right and it depends on what everyone wants to do right sometimes they're sitting in a water hole and it's whatever so what what uh, what kind of game plan did you put together to to try and get close to these elk
3: i I just had patterned them coming out of the timber, and they're feeding onto the regrowth of their eye, and they're heading their way to the corn for the evening, and then in the morning, reverse the schedule. Right, they're coming out of the corn, feeding across their eye, and back into the timber. So, so being brand new area, I just I watched them for those two and a half days, and they were they were going to two different main entry points. You know how elk don't really follow a trail as much as a whitetail does, but two two general areas and. And they were out in the stubble. There was a really good low spot that was really greened up. And that seemed to be the, the way that everybody hit on the way through. So that was my focus there. A little bit of appetizers for them before they hit the, the main buffet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly it. So, so the last evening of scouting, the wind was, was out of the west. So I, I could drive in easily to the west side, but they had to hump it in on foot to the east side. So I, cause of the wind, I, I worked over to the fence line and everything was dandy. It's my fifth time having eyes on these guys and everything's going according to plan. And, uh, last half hour, if that of daylight, another truck pulls up on the West side No, and, and just camping there. So I'm sitting in my tree line doing my thing and, and, uh. Then just all of a sudden the doubt comes right like is the shot coming now or are they coming back later or yeah. is this guy hunting in the morning right it all thought I would, had blown a second pretty pretty stellar setup yeah that's crazy so what what ended up rolling out there uh that evening there was the first evening was about 15 whitetails and 10 of which had horns it was it was absolutely insane
1: wow that's awesome
3: and one would one would be a guaranteed shooter. One would be close. The other ones were were not much, but still to see mm-hmm. ten bucks piled up when you have more more bucks than does and cows is kind of a rare night. Yeah, that don't happen often, <laughs> that's for
1: sure. <laughs> so where is this spot again? <laughs> yeah,
3: undisclosed location. So that
0: was the first night. You seen all them? Yeah, first yeah.
3: night. And then and after that,
1: that was your last night of scouting when you seen all the bucks. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And. Sorry, first night of scouting, I seen all the bucks. Okay, but the white tail were funneling every every evening in there, and I don't know how you guys have found around here, but the the deer were out at a decent hour, like you expect. But elk were coming at very very last light. I don't know if that's standard practice or not, but i I was almost giving up hope every night, and then finally one would trickle out. So I'd I'd see two, three, maybe four in the evening. But when I was there before dark in the morning, it was 13, 14, 15, funneling back across. Nice. That's good to see.
1: Yeah, that's a good sign. Yeah. So now it's uh. So last night of scouting. You scouted it. You've seen some elk, seen some deer. And then you wake up opening morning. What goes down then?
3: I The wind was right out of the west again. So I knew the play was to go to the east side. And I'm going to the east side. I'm driving down there, halfway there. If my truck's not on that easy road, and these guys come back, I'm going to be buggered, right? So I talked myself out of the raid right plan because I went to the went to the west side and sure as shit they funneled right past where I would have been sitting. You no, know, played defense instead of offense and got me, I
0: guess. And then so warning hunt after that is kind of kind of a wrap.
3: Yeah, I, I I cut across the bottom of them. So that they didn't bust me, it just that it ruined my chance. So, as a young pup, I probably would have tried to chase them because it was it was exciting watching them cross, right? Yeah. But I had enough sense to just back off and and leave it. So, yeah. Actually, it was, and they were they were across right shortly after daybreak. So by seven thirty, I was back in the truck and, and done for the morning. No it was kidding. Crazy as that sounds. Yeah. But I knew I was onto a pretty decent setup. You know their their pattern there. They're doing it steady. So why. Why I screw up a good thing was right. going through my head, so you end up heading back out in the evening, or what was uh your plan from there? yeah for the evening the uh the wind kind of switched out of the north, and it was actually really barking on on Monday. It was the first kind of real strong wind we had, yeah. so it was it was mostly west, but it was also coming out of the north, so that buggered me up because where they were feeding out of was right on the northern tip of that that side bush line. So I actually abandoned ship because same thing, I didn't want to ruin what I knew was a very fortunate setup. So I actually went over to the original spot where I had my first elk set up just to, and I thought I'd sit here. If nothing else, I know deer come out here and, and hopefully an elk does reshow, but chances were slim. And then sitting there munching on my alfalfa leaves <laughs> and uh, four little bucks came out and my brother-in-law had, had bailed the hay already. So they came out and just for just for fun, I I managed. They came along the bush line. I managed just to stalk from one bale to the other and threw a range finder on at thirty-seven, thirty-eight yards, wow. just for fun. But nice, there was nothing big enough to to pull the pull the trigger. Right, that's cool. And so back to the chair. I just camped up on tucked in between the bush line around bale, and and all of a sudden, seven o'clock ish or shortly after, the wind just fell flat. So I, I was too excited about the good spot, right? So I just hopped in the truck, abandoned abandoned that hunt, hopped in the truck, and 110 kilometers across the gravel. I was only about 10 miles away to the other spot, and and worked my way in, and and just set up on the fence line.
0: No kidding. Yeah. So that's crazy. So you just totally did a um, like a, I guess an audible.
3: Yeah, I think yeah. it's called in the Omaha, sports world. Omaha. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was, like, I wanted to be in, in the good spot, right? But I also knew I didn't want to bugger it up. And then as soon as that wind dropped, like, no, nah, I'm out of here. I got to go. Yeah. yeah.
1: So you're sitting along the fence line and then the elk started coming out right before dark? Like-
3: uh, Yeah, when I when I was walking in there, I was fortunate enough that it's one of those high fence line, right? Like, it's when, you know, when the, the dirt blows and catches and builds up that high ridge. Yeah. So I could walk all the way down the back side of the fence line. And still then there was, because I was later than I should have been getting out there, there was already three, four deer out feeding. So actually two of them kind of took off, not not hard pressed, but they pranced off in the bush. Like they definitely caught me. But at the same time, there was three standing there that, that didn't even affect. So I, I knew I hadn't done too bad, right? Yeah. So then I, I just worked my way all the way down to the edge of the bush, and then hunkered right in the fence line. Nice. And then uh, some more deer
0: coming out, or was it just yeah, elk action after No, nope,
3: it was steady deer feeding out, same general area where I wanted the elk to come out. And uh, all of a sudden, on the backside, it was it was swath field that I was hunting, but it was also a swath wheat field behind me, and uh, where they in comes a, a pretty... Not stellar, but a very reasonable four-point even buck, probably 140 class buck in a doe, and they waltzed right in behind me. Like, and I hadn't noticed it when I when I picked my spot in the fence line, but I was right on a, a pretty beaten trail right beside a pretty beaten trail. So yeah. they were they were waltzing right into me, and I ended up at 40 yards range in him, and I drew on him, and I was. Very close to to letting fly, but that's a big four pointer, man. If he's rolling in the 140s, yeah, that's very respectable, yeah. And uh, I he just about got from the side, he had plenty of height and plenty of depth, but then as soon as he turned face on, he wasn't very much wider than his ears, so yeah, that yeah. that saved his bacon. Plus, I I really felt like I had a chance at an L tonight, so I wasn't gonna, yeah, yeah. mess that up. But in hindsight, a twofer would have been a pretty cool story. Too. <laughs> So drawing
0: down on the, on this buck and then, uh, kind of tossing that idea out the window and now, uh, wait, just waiting on the, the elk action.
3: Yeah. He, so, so that once he, once I let down, he finally busted me a little bit and then he went back to 86 yards. I ranged him again when he stopped and he's snorting and he's stomping and just not happy. But so I was, I was worried cause it was by that and it was actually getting close to elk time. Right. And I was worried that I was going to, he was going to screw me, but, but he ended up taking off and the doe stood there, honestly, like whatever, 40, 45 yards away. She just stood there and watched him do his thing. And, and then she finally took off. Too. She was just like, what the huh? hell are you doing? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And she just camped there and it was I, was, I told Sheldon, I talked to Sheldon after the first night of scouting, I think, and I told him when those, all those bucks coming, he was like, of course, when you're not actually sitting there. Yeah. Trying to find a deer, they're just funneling. Yeah. Right? yeah, like like the universe knew that I was looking for elk because they're feeding me deer pretty steady. <laughs> That's crazy. So then, yeah, right down when I where I would be at the north end of the bush line, the first bull, one bull came out, and he was he was better than, than the one I shot size wise, right, and and antler wise, but not not a super size bull by that any means either. Yeah. And uh, so he comes out about halfway down the bush line and he just works out, works out straight to the west and even angles away from me. And I I kind of plunked myself in a reasonable range to where I thought they'd come out, but I wasn't going to sit right on top of them either, right? Yeah. Because if, if you're not going to get them to come out of the bush, you don't have a chance of shooting them anyways. So he came out and he just worked right across and further away from me. And he was, he was, there was no sign of any other elk. He was the only one out there. So I kind of thought, what can a cow call hurt, right? I, they, I had heard no bugles and hadn't seen any real signs of red action, but I threw a cow call at him and it just didn't even phase him. <laughs> it was, kidding. Yeah. He was, I don't know, maybe 120, 130 yards away and he just couldn't give two shits about what I was laying down. Yeah, yeah. So, I guess I'm not as good as a sweet talker as I used to be <laughs> back in the Palomino days. I was my calls worked pretty good most of the days, but <laughs> not so much anymore. Either that or I won't make it very good switching teams, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. going the other way, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, he's he, ba- I just wrote him off basically because he's working further away and closer to the other bush line, so I knew that was end the game and I was just going to wait and see what else played out and surely enough five minutes later two younger bulls I'm guessing three years old I don't know you guys have seen a picture of them. I'm I'm no elk expert by any means but I would I would think a three-year-old
0: yeah probably three four-year-old bull
3: so him and his brother if you want to call him that or it may as well have been right there same age class so they come out and they come out a lot further up the bush line to my favor so they came up it was about 80 yards where they came out and and same thing, they started feeding out, but this time they, instead of feeding out in a way, they fed out and operate and right, right into my setup as I kind of anticipated. Yeah, that's pretty sweet.
1: Yeah, it's funny that they didn't follow the first one.
3: It exactly blew my mind that that they didn't. And I think they were, it wasn't real rut craze, but they were they were jostling with each other a bit. So I think they were just a little more... A little more concerned with each other than him, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so that was it was very cool, actually. They they'd feed out and then they would turn around, lock handlers and push a little bit, no but way. just super light. Yeah, like really. yeah, yeah. nothing, no aggression at all. Yeah, it was just a couple couple kids playing, <laughs> sizing each other up almost. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, they they kept funneling up, and I just kept waiting, and heart kept beating louder and louder, <laughs> right, pumping out of the chest, and and they came up, and the last time they had their little Donnybrook there, there was I ranged them at sixty yards, the pair of them, and uh, I wasn't going to take a shot mid jostle because you never know, right? They're gonna yeah, if they do turn it up or have a big push or whatever, I was a little scared of that, so I just waited till they're I sorry, I ranged them when they were jostling, and I drew because I knew it wasn't going to last long. They had done it two or three times already, right? It was right. thirty seconds, forty seconds, and They split and and fed some more. Yeah. So Drew, they separated. I picked what I thought was the bigger of the two. And uh, because both were presenting broadside shots, but just facing each other, right? Yeah. And then, uh, so as soon as he pushed that leg forward, the old full metal jacket was gone his way. That's sweet, man. You had two
0: respectable, like nice bulls both present, presenting shots for you at,
3: yeah. at 60 yards, <laughs> ready pretty, to roll. Pretty insane, incredibly fortunate and lucky, but, but yeah, I, I, and this was the one that was quartering away, right, instead of quartering two, to a degree, right, it was mo- mostly broadside, but it was the bigger one, happened to be the better shot, and there was really no question which one to, to yeah. take. Yeah, yeah, so judging by the pitchers, you, you, uh
0: drilled them right in the boiler room like no no question of of uh
3: placement on that arrow yeah it it was but you know how when you think about going hunting and you you've seen this shot play out in your head right and it just it happened as it should which rarely ever happens in my life that a plan comes together that good but but uh managed got fortunate enough to make a really good shot and had put some orange nocturnals on and so you just see, and you know when you pure a golf shot that it just, you know, you got it. You yeah. F- it feels great, right? And so I, as soon as I released everything about the shot, felt good. And then the old Illuminati goes right at the 10 ring and disappears and like, yeah. oh baby, yeah.
0: <laughs> we're good. Yeah. It's like you almost know that shot's in there before, before it even hits, right? Like, yeah, exactly. You know,
3: that's that's a-, a good one. And Sheldon, Sheldon had come out and we were shooting bows at my place and we were pissing around at 70 and 80 yards just for fun. So as much as 55 yards was far, it didn't feel like it should have, right? Just because we were stretching out. Yeah. All of a sudden, 55 yards is a far shot. And then when you're shooting multiple arrows at 70, 80, you go back to 55 and it feels like a 35, 40. Yeah.
1: There, there's a. I had a question there too about, like you're an avid whitetail hunter, right? So, and you've done a lot of archery hunting, but when that those elk were standing there did you feel like they were actually closer than they were just because of the size of them or was like anything like different that way
3: Mm, i actually felt they were closer than they were and i don't know if it was just because it was such a calm evening or just because they kind of set on the course that i anticipated but i i know what you're saying about about being further away than you think but but yeah or closer than they think but for sorry further away than they think but but I actually thought they were closer. I was expecting 50 yards to ding up when I when I ranged them at 60. Oh yeah. Can't, I'm not really explaining why, but that's just how it felt.
1: Yeah, I've not I've known it like a few times when I was moose hunting, and you know you, these big animals come out of the especially in the agricultural land. These big animals come out of the bush, and you're just like, oh man, I think that's like 60 yards away, and then you range them, and it's like 80, and you're like, oh shit, like <laughs> you know what I mean, like. It's just, for me, it's different because you're just used to seeing these small little deer come out of the bush and then right. this big freight train comes out of the bush and you're like, holy shit.
3: And uh, the, the only thing that I was really worried about was my very limited elk hunting experience. I wasn't sure how they'd react to uh, ducking duck in the string like a white tail yeah. too, getting out to 55 yards. So I phoned a buddy in Alberta, a cousin in Alberta who hunts elk quite a bit. And he said he wouldn't worry about it 50 and in, but out further than that, he would. Right. So I actually put my pin a little touch higher than, or sorry, lower, a little bit lower than, than I expected or than I wanted. And yeah, I couldn't honestly tell you if he ducked or not, but it was, it was close.
2: Oh
0: yeah. Nice. Right. Yeah. I've seen a couple of videos of uh, elk ducking the strings there, so it certainly happens.
3: And it's no question. I was watching a pile of elk videos leading up to it too, and, and I've, you know, I've seen four or five videos where the elk spin uh, after contact. A lot of them, they just seem to run straight away. And mine, actually, mine bucked pretty good on on a spin and went, and went further than I would have thought too. Like I hit him both lungs, right? Yeah, it, it was good. Sh- it was the right placement. But I think uh, most of the videos I see in the big timber, they don't run that far because they they feel safe, right? I think, yeah. I think being out. In the wide open, his he took off maybe a little more than yeah than yeah. usual. It kind of it surprised me that he made it over that hundred yards, right? And i I was thinking back, and I was running it over, and uh, I was wondering if maybe just the other white tail that wrote there that that kind of jumped and spooked made him go a little further too. Yeah, right? yeah, you I know.
0: get that kind of the the
3: group getting off, right? Pack mentality. Yeah. yeah, get going, let's go. Everyone's going. <laughs> so, and there was no no safety to be had, right? So yeah. Yeah, he was probably running his best to get to that safety. Yeah. You had a full pass through on that, on your shot too, right? Yeah. 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 I just, I don't know if, I'm I'm just about shooting 70 pounds. I think I was about 68 pounds. And uh, I'm not entirely sure if it was the energy or I, I know after skinning it out that I just got between ribs on both sides, right? Yeah. So tough to say if it would have. Would have had enough force to get through a rib, either for our foreside or backside. But I just managed to get in the in the gap. What's your draw length on that bow? I am at thirty-one. Thirty-one. Bow. Yeah. Bow's Beau, capable of thirty-two, and I'm out of thirty-one. Yeah. So you got some good energy traveling out of that thing. What are you? What are you pulling?
0: Thirty-two. Okay, right. Yeah.
1: So the successful hunt, first day, first night. I'm kind of sitting here, pretty jealous, but uh, I'm very happy for you. What are a couple of things that you think you? I mean, I I know that you put it in your homework and you did a lot of scouting and you know looking on maps. So what are a couple of those things for the new archery hunters, saying maybe new uh, archery elk hunters that you learned along your little journey for?
3: Right. Yeah. Back to the old Steve Ranella suck factor. He's not going to think I earned this one too much. But... <laughs> <laughs> the after reading and after talking to some people, the biggest thing to keep in mind, I think. And like I said, there's people out there with a lot more experience in elk than I am, but the wind is the only thing that can't lie. Like if they hear a stick break, they're, they might believe it's a person. They might believe it's anything else in the bush, right? If they see an outline, they might think it's a person. They might think it's another animal, right? Mm-hmm. So you could, you could fool them a little bit. That's not that they're dumb, but they're going to second guess themselves on vision and on hearing, but scent and wind is a given yeah right so there's no doubt in my mind that had done this hunt 10 years ago I would have totally screwed it up chased them in the first morning and burnt them right yeah blew them out of the area so I think the biggest thing I'd say to anybody is just play the wind regardless of whether it's the easy way or where you want to be it's it's most important yeah that's for sure there's uh seems to be like a couple
0: ways to hunt elk and i'm obviously not the most experienced elk hunter either we've we've been chasing elk for a while and so i do study it quite a bit we'll say and if you're you know if you're doing a sit and wait setup or uh sometimes like the two-person setup the the second the shooter is going to be super quiet in the bush right so if you're trying to surprise them, right? You wanna be nice and quiet and and sneak in there. But uh all the stuff that I've read on like when you're calling, you want to try and be as realistic as possible and elk make a shit ton of noise in the bush when they're when they're uh calling and, and uh doing their their mating uh rituals I guess or or uh whatever you call it. And um so making noise and stuff like that and, and uh Cracking branches is is almost like a welcome, a welcomed uh, thing to do as long as you're not adding like foreign noise to that, like clinking metal and a bunch of zippers going or something. You know what I mean?
3: Or Sheldon's loud Gore-Tex jacket.
0: Yeah. Shit for it this
1: weekend.
3: I uh, yeah, I 100 percent believe that to be true. I just knew, not knew, but I had my best guess was. Seeing zero signs of rut, that at that time calling wasn't gonna yeah. be the answer for me, right? And I was just fortunate enough that I found the spot that they kind of not slipped up but that they got comfortable with, right? yeah. So I it wasn't so much a real elk hunter as most, right? It was, I, I hunted it like a whitetail and it, and it just managed to work for me,
0: yeah. It's, it's just the way you hunted it snow
3: and uh, elk hunt. when you get. One thing I, I read which and I think has got to be on the money when you're talking about the two-person caller setup have you heard them anybody I don't even know who said it but they they put an arc to it so if you're standing or sorry if the collar is in point A and the elk is point C you don't have the hunter on that line so the hunter would be point B so because there's never in this planet an elk well unless he's rut crazed. Yeah, But, but what this article is saying was that 95% of the time that elk is going to circle to the call, yeah. not, not going to beeline to the call. Yeah. So what you want to do is on the, on the leeward side, I guess, where the wind is blowing, set your shooter a little bit further out there to, so that he's outside of the wind. Yeah. But that elk is going to, going to circle under him on an, on an arc for obvious reasons. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. that's why it's called that, right? Yeah. One
0: benefit I think to uh, to just playing that that uh, silent game too, and and uh, running those setups, and is uh, kind of comes back to them jumping the string because when they're comfortable like that, you know, they're I mean they're always like kind of turned on, but when they're they know something's going on and they're not quite sure, you know, they're they're just ready to make a
3: move in with any like weird, foreign sounds. So. Right, yeah. So Which get, makes perfect sense, right? Humans yeah. do it too. When you're on edge, you're just that much more jumpy, right? Yeah. So you get that little bit extra comfort factor knowing that.
0: Those longer shots will be a little more um, just easy to take and just have that reliability a bit more.
3: Yeah, and the fact that the wind had died down just about nothing made me real comfortable with that shot too, right? Yeah. And had it been gusting like it was, I I probably wouldn't have took that 55. Yeah, yeah.
0: You also shoot quite a bit of competitive archery, generally with a, with the traditional bow, but you got a little finger injury. Which, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which well. is
3: dislocated knuckle action that <laughs> took me out of the game for a while. And, and it, last time we talked, we talked about it. Like, if you're not going to shoot a Chad bow, if you're not shooting 40 hours a day for a long time, you're not in the right place to, to be hunting an animal, right? Yeah. And especially elk, the the one person who land aside to it, he... Gave me a bit of permission to cross his land to get to to where I was hunting, and he says I, I generally don't like elk hunters with a bow though because he's seen you know that a, not a bad shot has ended up in a in a missed animal, lost animal, wounded animal, right? Yeah. So I I wasn't going to take my chances with a suspect shot. You need good, You need a yeah. perfect shot on an elk to to bring it down. If yeah, you can't get away with an okay shot. I don't think.
0: Yeah, they certainly have uh, the reputation. As being one of the toughest animals in the woods, as far as like huntability goes, and and uh, the their ability to to uh, just not be found after a bad shot, or not go down,
3: or whatever, right? So it's kind of tough. Yeah, like you hear that. I think it's it would be just about universal that everybody agrees that elk's the hardest animal to bring down a to hunting. I think. Yeah, yeah. So or, now or will to live, I guess. Yeah.
0: So now you got this alcohol packed up, it's in your freezer. You butchered it all up already. or you got the quarters at the butcher. But yeah. You you uh, zipped out the uh, the back straps and the loins and stuff, and carved up the neck yourself. What uh, what kind of things are you looking forward to uh, to uh, doing with that meat? Obviously, we we had a couple good feeds of it in camp here. Um, I will say that we we did some up on the pit barrel there last night and had like almost like uh pulled well like sandwich with the with some of that meat and then uh today we did we fried some up in uh in the catch and cook uh little cutlets and uh that was pretty deadly too some backstrap really cutlets. Yeah, pretty hard to argue with that meal. Yeah. But is there anything that you're you're thinking like is it something that you're gonna be uh doling out like family dinners or is it gonna be just like you guys get, just going to be eating on it at the at the family dinner table on a weekly basis, kind of thing, or?
3: Yeah, I'd, for the most part, I was just going to go into normal rotation, but I'm going to reserve the best steaks and roasts and share them with friends and family for sure. Nice. And uh, even before I got this guy dropped, the landowner had his order in for a couple of medium rare steaks before <laughs> before anybody else. So
1: you guys, you do any. Sausage with it Or are you going to wait till you maybe get a jumper And kind of mix it Or what
3: I don't think I'm going to sausage We don't We haven't had a beef this year So we're a little hamburger shy So I think it's going to be Steaks and roasts And hamburger everything And Go with the good old fashioned deer sausage For the sausage fix Yeah I, I I think the quality Especially being a younger bowl Right I think the quality Well we know now The quality of meat's there Yeah So I I kind of feel It'd be a bit of a sacrilege to turn it into sausage even though it would be delicious too yeah yeah there's no doubt in my mind that that
0: bowl's gonna be just grade a meat Mm -hmm. man that that uh the stuff we ate up here was just just beautiful beautiful meat
3: and i was so happy it turned right like the the week leading up i was sitting there and after i was done scouting heading home at 10 o'clock at night my truck still said 21 degrees. I'm like, this is no good for anything. Yeah. But that night, I think it dipped down to three degrees or yeah. five degrees. So that's perfect. Yeah.
1: Yeah. What about you, Chase? You uh, have now put in three or four days out in the inner lake woods chasing these elk. I've been out a couple times with you, but haven't been putting the boots on the ground as much. What are you seeing out there? Is it, you think ruts happening? Is it full blown rut right now or what?
0: Man, it's such a weird year this year I feel like cuz I came out opening day spent opening day cruising around out here and uh only seen a cow and but seen some promising sign that you know things are kind of getting fired up seeing some some older rubs on trees that are probably already a week old and you know the bark was brown on the on the poplars and the the leaves were brown that were sitting on the ground on the branches you know that were rubbed off and uh, some of the wallows had some action in them, and uh, <coughs> excuse me, and but pretty quiet day overall there. And then we've been uh, kind of hunting our public land area here, hitting it pretty hard. And uh, speaking to a couple other guys, uh, Lewis is out here right now too with Andrew, and, and uh, they've been putting their boots on the ground and putting some miles on by the sounds of it and things have been pretty quiet man it's yeah. i feel like the the pressure out here for like just activity wise and hunter wise is quite a bit higher than what we've seen in the past and it's uh i think either keeping the elk pretty quiet or they're just not really in the area cuz we we put in a few good days around here and uh we, we you and i had that uh run in with that other cow when we we're calling there and that's pretty much been about it had some nice bulls on the on the trail counts but uh haven't seen hiding or hair of them right since we've been here
1: and of course we uh got tangled up with a couple local coyotes last night and the one old gentleman there gave us some tips and uh kind of gave us a couple different areas we can check out so things are gonna i think gonna lo- be looking up here when we get back here in a few days
0: yeah yeah actually this morning had a good encounter with the bull and uh um he was with a cow, and but just didn't really want anything to do with me. At one point, I actually it was about a hundred yards away from him. You see him on the trail, and and uh, kind of been playing around with him a little bit already. And then kind of last desperation to try and haul him back in, I started doing some calling, and he just just iced me, man. He not even uh, gave me a little bit of look, and then see you later. I'm out of here. He had his hot cow, and he was he was
3: good, you know. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Been there. (laughs)
3: Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, like last night here, I'm I'm happy that we kind of, like you guys are locked onto that newer area a little quieter because yesterday it was more of a quad derby here than it was a hunting day. Yeah, I've never, I've never heard it like that out here before.
0: It was was, uh, pretty crazy. Kind of, for at least a solid hour out in the bush there, there wasn't a minute that went by that you couldn't hear a bike going, you know, trying to, trying to, listen as intently as you can for a for a faint bugle off in the distance is pretty tough you know (laughs) yeah so we're i'm I'm pretty happy we had that encounter this morning because uh we're certainly feeling a little defeated after this weekend um we had pretty good weather too and and everything and it just nothing was happening around here so
3: well that's the thing leading into the weekend everybody's excited right because the weather's dipping and little bit overcast they thought it was going to be in the money yeah yeah well i
0: remember the first night we're rolling out and uh we're riding on the quads and things are starting to cool down and you get that cool kind of air in your face when you're going through the low spots and and uh things the winds dying down nice and i just man i was amped right up to get out there and i was like i guarantee you that the elk are amped up right now too and it's just just pretty quiet pretty quiet so disappointing but uh we got another week coming up here um going home for the week and then
3: hitting hard next week yeah and it'll come right like it is it is too early it yeah it felt right and we're hoping it was right but honestly it's not prime time yet no no that's right so so uh
0: obviously have high hopes for the the future i mean the past years we've had good good luck and like encounters on a daily basis so um Hopefully we can get back to those stats here in the next week.
1: Yeah, and w- next week. What do you think, man? Next, <laughs> next week you're going to be coming back with a shaved head because of our bet last night. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't think so. I was going to shave your head this morning when you're sleeping. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, we have lots of fun in camp. We're uh, fortunate enough to have this little cabin that we're sitting in right now. Wood stove, wood stove heat. Get to dry everything out. Cook some good food. Life's pretty good right now.
0: Yeah, log cabin and. Uh, sure you guys can hear in the background right now we're just kind of on the front end of the a big wind kind of system coming through here and and she's howling pretty good in the background so not an ideal day to be in the woods in the afternoon here so we're uh, kind of calling her for the weekend and yeah and uh saying goodbye to camp for now and
1: let not goodbye man it's just see you later <laughs> see you <laughs> yeah. Yeah. so hack what do you got left on uh, the old hunting docket for the rest of the fall
3: I whitetail obviously is is where we're heading next and I'm uncertain if I'm going to chase a black bear or not. I had zero plans. I I put baits in the spring just to establish a couple new baits. I actually got a piece of property of my own up near the park so I was getting those rolling and uh, didn't hunt them hard. It was just a matter of getting them established and I had zero plans because I thought I'd be running around chasing an elk to no avail for a month but but now that kind of opens the schedule up that I might might sneak up for Bear a little bit, but Whitetail's white back to the top of the list now. Oh, yeah, you yeah. guys?
1: Yeah, same same thing. Do this elk camp uh, next week, and hopefully get on to one, and if not two, both Chase and I have tags, and uh, Whitetail, and I'm going to archery hunt Whitetail hard, and then hopefully try to get up to Thompson for a moose trip if the old COVID-19 settles down and we can actually travel up there again. But
0: Yeah, yeah, I think... Uh, for Me right now, I think I'm just going to focus on uh, the elk hunting side of things. Obviously, got a couple good bucks on cam in the whitetail area there, but um, just trying to juggle everything with the kids is kind of tough to commit a couple weeks to elk camp kind of thing, and then and then uh, toss deer hunt in the mix might be tough, but I feel like I kind of jinx myself coming in here now and listening to hack talk about it <laughs> because uh. Last week I was thinking I was like, man, be nice to just arrow one opening day, and then could focus on whitetail hunting and then obviously come to camp and hunt. But like pressure's off, and right. I was like, stack a whitetail in the freezer, and then I could do some bird hunting, get a couple good goose shoots in, and man, i will be set for winter. <laughs> but here we are, ending of a uh, week two, and and uh, no arrows have uh, launched out of the bow yet for us. So
1: yeah. And I'm for me like looking forward to this year again. Like the two years ago when we came out here, it was kind of like my first archery, elk kind of hunting style, and I learned lots. But this year I'm looking forward to like I kind of know what's going on now. I know the area better. Um. So yeah, looking forward to being out here and putting in the time and the effort. And I know like hack like you were telling me, just you know do your homework and make great right decisions, and it'll happen. You know, and put your time in, and so. That's kind of what I'm hoping for.
3: It it was kind of an odd feeling too, right? Like I set my plan, I was successful and I come here. You guys know the area and I'm the rookie learning the area. So I, my plan was to hopefully scout and help and find something. But I felt like a newborn puppy out here, right? Yeah. Until you, until you have some time in the area, you really can't contribute much. And that's the only answer is to get out there and and see the country you're working with.
0: Yeah. Well, you're saying you just enjoyed coming out here and, and uh, just putting around and, and you enjoyed camp more than, more than anything. You went for a couple of rips on the bike and, and all that, but, uh, just coming to relax out here. I mean, it's not, uh, any major amenities right here in camp, you know, it's pretty, and, uh, it's luxurious, but,
1: uh, when no one brings a fork or, or tongs to flip, <laughs> flip steaks yeah, and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, we don't have many amenities. Yeah, we forgot a couple of yeah. things this trip.
3: But, but this this is the Hilton compared to some shacks we've set up
2: for. for oh, yeah. yeah, it's pretty it's, nice. It
3: is, And it is just nice to get away and be outdoors. As much as no self-service is a bad thing, if something were to happen, it's pretty awesome to sit here for two days and not even look at it. Yeah, exactly. It's uh. Well, certainly good having you out here, man, and uh, I
0: always enjoy your company and and uh, stories. And we had a few good good nights there. Just uh, top ten movies turned to top fifty movies, I think, <laughs> and top ten <laughs> songs
1: turned to top fifty songs. So um, we got introduced to sixteen chickens in a tambourine. Uh, yeah. That's good. listening. <laughs>
3: the boys have not quite come around to my way of thinking yet, but they're they're on the way. They'll <laughs> appreciate it soon enough. <laughs> You guys got time for one little archery story? Yes. Oh yeah! If we're gonna dip back into the yester years of history, you guys remember that the English longbow story? I was getting at right how it kind of changed modern warfare. Yeah, yeah. And it was the Wales, the Welsh actually, but the English took it and got their fame right. You guys, it, this is a, is a pretty awesome story that I just kind of stumbled upon recently, and so we we step back. Remember that in the Battle of Circe, like 1346 or something, that that's when the English kind of broke out the longbow and just decimated the French, even though they're well undermanned and underpowered, right? So we fast forward and remember, sorry, remember that uh, their bows are made out of you, right? The what is you? So legend has it that shooting the bow, the terminology back then was plucking you, (laughs) 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 So you're, fuck you, right? They're they're pulling back that wood bow. So fast forward to 1415 in the Battle of Agincourt. They're still fighting. It's a hundred years war. So he'd tell you how long they're going for, right? So legend has it by then, the French obviously know how deadly the archers are. Mm -hmm. So they're sitting there and the report got back to the English that the French were every archer they captured were going to cut off their middle finger so that they couldn't pull their bow anymore. So they'd be ineffective. Right. So that was the threat. Battle happens. English win the battle. The archers are sitting on the eye ground and legend has it, or I said that three times already, but so, so, so the story goes, battle's done. French are sitting there bleeding or dying or running away. And there's a whole bunch of English archers on top of the hill waving their middle finger in the air, pluck you. We still pluck you. (laughs) That's where this, where the saying comes from. No kidding. Yeah. And you push it, push it a little bit further. And we know that the fletchings were made from pheasant feathers back then. Yeah. So the actual second layer to this story is that when you're sitting there giving the bird, is because they sent those pheasant feathers pheasant feathers, feathers down, <laughs> sorry, tongue twister, down the range. So over time the double consonant was was a little too much. So we got shortened to fuck you and that's where fuck you came from and the middle <laughs> finger and giving the bird all in one all that's in awesome. one foul swoop. I like that story. Yeah so I'll you know, go with that. You know what the best part of the story is? It's complete bullshit and debunked, no. But no. <laughs> when, I, when I was reading that thing, it was like, oh, my God, this can't be more perfect. And, and then, yeah, sure, shit, it's been debunked, and, and the history books have wiped it off the map as being cracked. So, but it had
1: me going. We'll bring her back to life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll just edit that part out where he said it's debunked. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Everyone will be telling this story. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, boys, any final thoughts for Depart? Um, not really. I just, uh, yeah, just the camp life. Love it. And I can't wait to come back. It's going to be great. And Hack, you're more than welcome to come out and you have some free time when we're out here. So hopefully you come out and enjoy camp with us.
3: Awesome. Appreciate it. My final thoughts is thanks guys for having me out here. That was unreal. Two days in camp feels more relaxing than two weeks in Mexico for me. (laughs) Yeah, I'd agree. And like Chase said, I wasn't, uh, wasn't pushing too hard on the hunting ground. I <laughs> took advantage of the camp life, and it's been, been a real great weekend. Yeah, it's one of the benefits of tagging
0: out early, I guess. It's uh, Yeah, man, it was a good couple of days out here, and uh, every time I come out to this place, I just fall in love with it a little bit more. So it's, uh can't wait to get back out here in another week. Awesome. Okay, see you later, guys. Thanks, fellas. Thanks again for listening, folks, to another episode of the Panoramic Outdoors podcast. We hope you enjoyed that one. Hack's always one of our favorite uh, dudes to link up with, and, and it was uh, kind of neat, kind of special to have him in camp with us, so um, double down on the
2: on the enjoyment with him. Um, Hack seems like a really cool dude to have in camp, too, from what you guys were sharing, just between the, the food, the stories, and the personality
0: yeah he's a big personality man and and it's i know like el camp was a long stretch this year and we had a couple different stints in there and it was it was kind of interesting to have like just all the different characters kind of emerge throughout the season kind of mm-hmm. thing with us so um.
1: that that and that's another thing that i like about hack having having him there that weekend and with basically everybody that's been to that camp with us is that he he doesn't really give a shit to be honest like in a good way like as in oh what do you want to separate well it doesn't matter to me and i'll do you know what i mean like super good to have in camp doesn't complain Gets stuff done with us and it wasn't even like a bother or nothing so I, I really appreciate people when they come to the camps not only ours but any other one that uh it's almost like they're not there and saying that with the most respect
0: yeah yeah they're looking after themselves and and they're they're part of the uh they're part of the system when they, they arrive, pretty much, right? You just show them yeah. the ropes and they're they're already in there, so that's cool. Um, anything you want to touch on, Sheldon, before we get rolling?
1: Yeah, a couple things, uh, kind of full circle back to Hack here, too, about uh, his little story that he told us in this podcast episode, but it kind of elaborates a little bit in a little write-up that we have on our website. If you go to www.panoramicoutdoors.com and go into the menu and look up the Panoramic Journal, it's something that we're starting. It's kind of like a blog post slash storytelling little section where we invite anybody that's listening to this podcast or that follow us on social media to send us in a story. Send us in your first hunt, your last hunt, your most recent hunt, or whatever. If it's a good story, we'll we'll throw it up, and uh, hopefully people will be able to read it and get something from it. So if you want to check that out, like you said, go to our website and look at that. While you're at our website, um, as you know, all of our apparel's there, and we're adding a few things uh, before Christmas. As in, uh, toques, which are already on there, those signature hoodies that Chase talked about, um, our buffs or moose necks that we like to call them. And now we've added uh, a, a coffee cup, basically, it's like a campfire coffee cup. Um, it's got our logo on it, it's, it's actually pretty cool, and we're gonna have those on sale here, uh, starting probably by the end of the week. And it'll be a great Christmas present. So check those out, support us any way you can. And if it's uh, if you can't buy any apparel or merchandise from us, just give us a like, share rate us on itunes and give us a comment that goes a long way and it keeps us creating more content
0: absolutely big thanks to everybody that's listening and uh continues to listen you know we're trying to put out the best content we can for everybody so thank you the more people we get listening the and the more uh the more um people that are commenting rating and uh sharing this stuff the the better off we are and the
2: more we can do so thanks guys With that in mind, keep your powder dry, knife sharp, and shoot straight.